everyone, and welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kenicky. Today's show is on Pokemon Black and White, and my guest is Bobby Pease. Hello, Bobby. What's up, Chase? It's good to be back. This is, yeah, this is your third episode, I think? Yes, I believe Monument so. Monument Valley, and then you're on, um, oh, what's the game I don't like that you did? Um, it was like the paranormal one, uh, yes. Oxenfree. In our, yeah, there you go. I think that's Oxenfree. when I met Pierce, right? Yeah, I believe that is the case. Yeah, man, Oxenfree. Could have been. Could have been better. There's, some, there, there's something there. There's something there. Anyway, we're not talking about Oxenfree on this episode. We are talking about Pokemon Black and White. It is time for another Pokemon episode. And this was really inspired because Bobby here has been... On a on a journey, on a saga, a, a quest. I don't if know you what will, it is. If you will, like a even an odyssey at this point. Like a you have you have really gone off the deep end. So so yeah. give people some background here. You played the original Pokemon Red and Blue. Yep. When they came out. Yeah, absolutely. And then you stopped. I did. Like not, and it doesn't, and it sounds like it wasn't out of uh, like lack of interest, but just for whatever reason, you just didn't play gold and silver or anything. I didn't. Else. I uh, so I didn't have the means to do it. Um, my family, we didn't have a ton of money growing up, but the gaming mm-hmm. systems that I had was always like I always had the latest and greatest console, and gaming on the go really wasn't a thing that my parents endorsed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a huge distraction for me whenever I did swindle my way into a Pokemon Color. But it's one of those situations where I, I had acquired a Game Boy Color through trading various CDs to a kid in class, which I came out ahead. I think it was like an Everclear CD or something. It's and a very good trade. Very good trade. And became obsessed, like very much only played this for a very long time. And uh, as things progressed, I just did not have the opportunity or the like you know, refund or not refunds, but the funds at that time to support it. So I, I played Super Nintendo games and then, you know, 64 games, of course, and always had a curiousness about where Pokemon was going because it was a super important game to me and continue to be. And uh, that's all. I mean, that's all I played. That was 20, 21, 22 years ago. Yeah. So now in 2018, you have made it your quest to to play all of them. More or less all of them. So yeah. we, we have this other podcast we do called The Casual Hour where the, the two of us and our friend Johnny uh, just talk about video games more casually. And, and you decided you wanted to take up this, this thing and you asked for our help mm-hmm. of where to go. Because the, the obvious next answer of like, oh, well, I want to play more Pokemon. What do I play? would have been well gold and silver i guess because that's where you left off like right. right why not just jump in but but johnny and i thought uh it's been a while uh, yeah this is basically somebody playing pokemon for the first time uh why why make him go back to gold and silver that are going to feel very old i i am incredibly nostalgic for gold and silver they are some of the best the best games i have ever played right but there, there's still a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of putting Pokemon into boxes and taking them out. And I, I believe Gold and Silver is the one that added the move Pokemon feature. But it, even that is and still not And there's only so much that nostalgia good. can do for you. These days. Sure. A- absolutely. And, and so we thought, well, there's, there's something of value to the Gold and Silver experience. 
but let's give let's give Bobby a chance and and give him something with a little bit of the more modern convenience. And we landed on having you play Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Mm-hmm. Uh, that because you know being on the DS, those that those games were part of Gen Four. There there was a lot of new things added in Gen Four. You're on a, a more modern piece of hardware. It's something you could play on your 3DS using the yeah. backwards compatibility stuff. It just made sense. And and I think you had a pretty good time with Soul Silver when you played it. Then you asked, okay, what's next? And we went, well, uh, <laughs> wh- why would we make you go back to the GBA to play Ruby and Sapphire? So uh, maybe play Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire on the 3DS because yeah. those are really new and and, eh, that and might really be good. A way to go. <laughs> yeah, and and I think you really liked them, which is good. Uh, I certainly like those games a lot better than the original uh, Ruby and, and Sa- uh, Ruby and Sapphire because I just I'm not a big fan of those. Anyway, um, but <laughs> so then we just kind of kept going. You're like, well, what do I do after that? Like, well, the next one kind of canonically story-wise, even right. though the story in this game is very loose because they, yeah, they hardly not- ever connect. Um, so we, we had you go back to Diamond, uh, Diamond and Pearl, and you didn't seem to have a ton of fun with that. It was- but, I mean, we'll, we'll get into that some yeah. later, but... but you, but then, like, it got to time where you needed to play black and white. Yeah, and and so that's what led to this podcast. I knew that black and white was the next canonical Pokemon series that I wanted to talk about on Gamers on the Go, uh, and I was like, okay, I'll I'll jump in when you get to that spot. I'll play with you. And in a, about like a week and a half, you sent me a text message and said, "Cool, I'm done." <laughs> And I was over here, like, still in the first gym, like, trying to <laughs> trying to do some things. Also, playing a ton of other games at the time. This is when uh, Dead Cells, Into the it, Dead Cells, Into the Breach came to Switch. Yeah. I I was I was busy with some other stuff. You, you were killing some darlings, and you were out there just blazing through these Pokemon games. Yeah. You finish you finish Black and White, then Black and White Two. And I think you had a pretty good chunk of X finished by the time I just finished Black. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> I'm a monster. So, so yeah, you are a monster, a, a pocket monster, uh, and you're an awful human being. Yes. But also, I salute you. In fact, like being going on this big journey, and at this point, you're playing Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon right now. Mm-hmm. You, you are, you are there. You are yeah, at. I'm, I'm current. The end of this thing. Uh, because then you're going to, I imagine, play Pokemon Let's Go totally. on, the, on the Switch when those come out in November. Mm-hmm. So, because you've blazed through all of these things and have just been soaking up all this Pokemon, part of me questioned a little bit of my own fandom. Of <laughs> man, I, I, I thought I loved Pokemon, but man, this this might be a guy who likes Pokemon even more than I do. And and I kind of had to calm myself down and go, okay, does he, does he have a pocket Pikachu? No, he doesn't. No, I don't. Does he? Did he have the Pokemon to be a master soundtrack? He definitely did not. Uh, <laughs> and it's like this. It's like okay, no, no, no. My, I've, but I've still I've still got it. What I did do though, and I, I, this is my last like throwback to my younger self. I I went to a private grade school and I went mm-hmm. to a Lutheran grade school and uh, not that that has any influence on what I'm doing now currently, but I <laughs> there was a point in time where you had to have a catechism. Uh, for a lot of the studying in class. And I happened to come across a second catechism. And it just so happened to be that the second catechism 
was about the perfect size to be a false cover for my Game Boy Pocket or my Game Boy Color. I'm sorry. Oh man. So I did, and I always had this in the back of the class. I'm a very large human being, and uh, I converted the second catechism. And my teacher thought I was the holiest kid ever because I just spent so much time in class with this <laughs> fake catechism open playing Pokemon. So I have, I've always had obsessive tendencies with Pokemon. Um, now that is a religious conversion I can get behind. Yeah, I think I think we can maybe figure out another. Like I was gaming and finding religion on the go at that point. Yes, in time. sure. So yeah, that the obsession <laughs> started early, and just the spark happened, man. Like quite frankly, I salute Nintendo because Pokemon Go is really what reignited it for me. Mm-hmm. And getting into getting back into Pokemon Go when all these second and third generation Pokemon were there, I had no emotional connection to that. And it really felt hollow compared to my first time with that game. I'm like, I don't really care about these catching these Pokemon where I got excited. Like, Oh shit, there's a Squirtle. Oh shit. There's Bulbasaur. Like that was a really important thing on that game. So going back and playing these games was my, my attempt to like get to know these Pokemon. better. Yeah. Now you have the historical context of, of why Hoot Hoot matters. Yeah. Hoot Hoot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sir Hootoot. Oh, boy. Uh, so, yes, uh, you've been playing all this Pokemon, but we're here to talk about Pokemon Black and White. Yeah. So let's do that. Pokemon Black and White came out for the Nintendo DS, developed by Game Freak, like like most Pokemon games, all the mainline Pokemon games, published by Nintendo, and at this point, the Pokemon company. Pokemon is, is such a big thing at this point that they have now spun off this separate company, separate entity, to deal with just the licensing, just the merchandising, all this, everything Pokemon goes through the Pokemon company, and Game Freak is still a developer that that actually is the one making the games. Um, it was released on March 6th of 2011, and this is extremely late in the DS's lifespan. L- like Literally, the 3DS would launch 21 days after the release of Pokemon Black and White on March 27th, 2011. Um, which is crazy to me That's because nuts. then you had Pokemon Black and White Two that came out after this. This would that would have been a year after that. Still on the DS. And, yeah, and, and it's because the DS was a monster. DS was huge. Yeah. DS DS sold sold shit tons, and the 3DS kind of came out weak out of the gate. Uh, that's when they had to do the anniver- uh, the ambassador program. Uh, there there weren't a lot of good games out on that thing at launch, and it just Pokemon is this thing that is huge and a system seller for sure. Right. But Nintendo is also somewhat smart with it, relatively smart with it, in that they're not going to just kind of put it out to die on something. And you go where the fan base is, and at that point, the fan base was still in the DS, so that's where they went. Um, Twenty-one days, and, and it that's worked crazy. out. Crazy. Sorry, I mean it, that's just yeah. like. I'm I'm kind of freaking out over that statistic. That's nuts to me. <laughs> yeah, for this big flagship style game, and they're saying, okay, cool, but yeah, we're also we're we're gonna put this on the old system, and and I think we get some of that even today. I know the Switch isn't necessarily a replacement for the 3DS, but in a lot of ways, it feels like that because it's this handheld system that is also uh, a console system, and we wonder to this day why why Nintendo is still putting so much effort into the 3DS when they could be putting all of these great games onto Switch. Why are you making another... Why are you making a Mario and Luigi remake 
on the 3DS at this point, just put it on the Switch. Why are you making a WarioWare collection yeah. on on the 3DS? Put it on Switch. Why are you making uh, Samus uh, Samus Returns or uh, whatever the hell the the, the Metroid the one Metro the yeah. Metroid Two remake? Why are you putting that on 3DS? Put that shit on Switch. People want that shit there. Right. Uh, so this isn't a new thing from Nintendo. This is something they've been doing a while. They go where they think the money is and where the install base is. And, and that was the DS at this point. And eventually they would really reboot the series with X and Y and and put that on the 3DS and, and make a, a big point. And I think that's going to happen with, with the Switch as well, uh, where we've gotten Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, which... Why, why not just make one for the Switch, right? Yeah, I, mean, uh, I think but, that makes but sense. They are, but they are focusing. We're going to make a whole new Pokemon adventure, and that's going to go on the Switch. And even these Let's Go games are, are another kind of side thing, and the real Pokemon game is coming 2019 or maybe even 2020. So these games, when they came out, Chase, were they 40 Yeah, they, they would have been $40. Uh, 40 30 35 Something like that? Yeah, uh, yeah, around so that. So we are seeing for the first time, just to what you said about the Switch, like that's going to be the first $60 Pokemon game. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, almost assuredly. Yeah. yeah. I, and depending on how you count, like the mainline Pokemon games, for sure. I mean, we've had Pokemon Stadium that have, has come out on, on 64, Pokemon Coliseum that came oh, out on Snap, GameCube, yeah. and, and things like that, Pokemon Snap, sure. Like there have been Pokemon games at full price on big home consoles, but not not these, not yeah. the the main ones, the ones that I guess we really care about. Um, but yeah, like Pokemon Pokemon Black and White is also interesting in that this is the first generation to be made for the exact same set of hardware as the as the previous generation. So it's fudging it a little bit because you could play gold and silver on an original Game Boy, but those were Game Boy Color games. They said Game Boy Color on them. They sure. had extra functionality on the Game Boy Color. The, yeah, they could work on the on the original Game Boy, but uh, but this this is literally we made Pokemon Diamond and Pearl for the DS, and we think this system is so popular. There's so much stuff that's still left to do. Let's make another set of games for these, and then. Technically, let's make another set after that. If uh, if you count black and black two and white two, um, and and that's with that, it, there wasn't an easy innovation to point to, like with with Pokemon Red and Blue to Pokemon Gold and Silver. You can go, hey, it's in color now. Yep. Uh, like look at look at this new thing. When you get to Ruby and Sapphire. It's even the the shading is better. The the pixel density on the GBA is way better than it is on the Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Like there there was a massive step up, and there were massive steps up uh, with each of these generations. And then black and white is like, well, you're on the same hardware. You're not. What what are you giving us? Because you can't give us something visually or audibly. It needs to be. It needs to be gameplay innovations, and I think that's really what they tried to do with uh, with with these games. Is they tried to softly reboot Pokemon again, sure. And and it led to a lot of small changes that I think ended up making a big difference for Pokemon going down the line. A lot of people think of X and Y as this big revolution of Pokemon. That oh they came to the 3ds it got a lot of people back into it they and I think a lot of that is because now it had polygonal graphics uh, and it's it's on this new system that had this big update 
graphically, and yeah, it had some gameplay innovations too, but black and white was really all gameplay innovations, and and I think that's where it kind of gets overlooked a little bit. I, I honestly think these games have, are overlooked in general. Like black and white or Pokemon as a whole? Like uh, black, black and white specifically, and part of that is, hey, the 3DS is about to come out, people are excited for that. Uh, this like, we're getting another Pokemon game on the DS. These Pokemon games all kind of feel the same. You're this t- this top down grid thing. It's this sure. really turn based system. We see these pixely graphics. Uh, it's it just kind of keeps going the same way. And I particularly didn't mind that. I I I just like the act of playing Pokemon. I mean, but even even for me, like Black and White is this game that I kind of skip over in my mind. A lot. Well, I think so. Whenever, obviously, I played a lot of games really close to one another in my journey here, and I would always do a few things. Whenever I would end a a game, I'd look ahead and I would go and I wouldn't look at reviews, but I'd look at like forums and like, hey, what was some people's teams that they built? Like, what were some Pokemon that should be on my radar? Because one thing that like I didn't have this playthrough, except for like harassing you and our friend Johnny with just constant questions, was mm-hmm. that what I consider cafeteria talk. Like I'm coming in before sure. school starts and, uh-huh. <laughs> and we're talking through the theories of where you can find things. We're talking through like, dude, my blast toys could totally trump your whatever. And like you're finding the one guy who got the player's guide and you're yeah. just asking it like, Hey man, where, so where can I find Ekans? Yeah, yeah. Like, totally. Can I borrow that from you, etc. And so like, I didn't have that and I wanted that more than anything to have this dialogue and it's one of the reasons I'm really excited about playing something current whenever it comes out is to be kind of in that zeitgeist of discussion around it. And I think for me, looking ahead at what were people talking about on these games, so I'd find forums from the time that was around launch for these titles. Mm-hmm. And you're not, too, you're not wrong. Like, people shit on this game. And people did not really care too much for some of the changes i think people were maybe getting a little burnt out at this point in time on what pokemon was doing like there wasn't really to your point changes in the story like you knew what you're getting and at its core it's still those things but there was some innovation i even think the art style is slightly different in my opinion going from pearl especially to this just some perspective and shading yeah it is and they even brought in more 3d cinematic things in here like the there's a big city that you go to uh, relatively early in the game and it's it has big skyscrapers in it and it's portrayed in in a some in a kind of gimmick thing where it actually has a perspective to it whereas previous pokemon games didn't really but this here's you here's this building here's that building here's that building yeah but this was like these buildings look big. It looked, it felt like you were in. That a was big a really cool here. moment getting into that city too. Like going over the bridge and seeing like the moving vehicles. Like it, there was a breath of life in in these cities that like you knew would be there, especially if you watched the anime. Um, but there were some things here that are really cool. And so I think this is a game that people, not to get too ahead of ourselves here, but like there were some some changes with just like what Pokemon you could even use, and that really rubbed people the wrong way. And they were really committing to some reboot ideas here. That people are like, hold on, like, there's new hardware coming out, there's new software, like, all this shit. Like, it was just interesting. An interesting thing yeah. from what I was, like, reading in this time capsule, so to speak. And and I think the sales data kind of reflects that. I, I don't love going over sales data stuff, but it can be kind of interesting. The, these games, and all of this is unofficial because I'm taking it from websites that 
who knows if they actually get this super accurate sales data, but it, over the course of their of their lifespan, Black and White sold you know, 15 and a half million copies, which is nothing to sneeze at for sure. Right. But it's it's kind of just in the middle for Pokemon games. Uh, you, you think about Pokemon Red and Blue that sold 31 point something million like that. That that game was huge, of course, well, especially for uh, that time. Yeah. Gold, gold and Silver also sold big. Um, X and Y sold sold pretty pretty well, uh, better than better than Black and White. Um, the, these games were like not afterthoughts for sure, but they they are not among the highest selling Pokemon games. They're they're not the worst. I, I think Black Two and White Two are, are are pretty far down there. Again, respectable, but just far down there for what Pokemon is. And and that I think that was just a lot of fatigue on people's parts of. We've played these games, and and not just we've played these games. We've played these games on this system before, mm-hmm. and and there's even though they did a lot of stuff, and we're going to go into a lot of those changes here right now. But there's there is something about oh, I'm I'm going to play Pokemon on this on this new system because I want to see the new stuff, and and Nintendo does that a lot. You you don't see two Mario Kart games on the same system very often. It it just doesn't happen. Right. You don't see Smash Brothers happen on the on the same system very often, if at all. Uh, now you might see that with with the Switch in both of those cases because those games kind of just said, "Well, we're going to steal the old version and put in a little bit of new stuff and just put it out oh. there to maybe sate people's appetites while we while we make the real stuff in the background." But uh, but you, that's not really Nintendo's way. It's it's we're going to make. We're gonna make our Donkey Kong. We're gonna make our Zelda. We're gonna make our Metroid. We're gonna make our Mario for these systems, and then we're gonna wait for the next console so we can bring out all these things again. Right. Uh, so it's a little. It was a little weird, but when you consider that the DS had sold over a hundred million units, like yeah, that's a hundred million potential people we can sell it to, and that's when you. When you imagine that, uh, when you see that Pokemon Black and White sold fifteen and a half, like that's about ten ten percent. <laughs> you, you yeah, ten percent of the people who bought DSs also bought Pokemon Black and White, and that is kind of an accomplishment. Anyway, all right, let's get on to some of these more specific changes to the gameplay because that's what Black and White is really all about. Th- this really was a, a soft reboot of the franchise in terms of the philosophy of some of the execution and even and even just the approach of how they they went about things. Uh, this generation is the first to be set in a region that's not inspired by Japan. This is the I believe it's Unova region because it's the United States, so it's, yeah. it's a it's a Y sounding U. Um, yeah, this is this is set basically in like a new york city and new york suburbs kind of kind of area and and that's where that that big bridge that you talked about that you go on the sky arrow bridge i think i think that's supposed to be the brooklyn bridge uh and then there's another bridge and i in the another relatively big bridge in that game and i think that's supposed to be the bay bridge um we are in st louis i do not know all my new york uh, my New York hotspots. There's no Statue of Liberty uh, equivalent in this game, so it's they didn't go that uh, that literal with a lot of this. But it was supposed to be in a completely new region that gives them a reason not to talk about Kanto, not to talk about Johto. We let's let's leave that stuff in the past a little bit, and let's let's play a new game in a new place 
with with new Pokemon. And you you mentioned this a little bit. That's maybe the biggest thing in this game. This these are the first Pokemon games to force you to really play with the new guys and the new guys only. Yeah. Because Pokemon Black and White brought in 156 new Pokemon and it locked out the previous 493 that that we had from the uh, the games before until you finished the main story. So yeah. until you beat the Elite Four, you only had the new 156 to play with. And, and part of that is really interesting and fascinating, especially going back to it and playing this game again. I, I really appreciate not not being able to rely on on Pikachu or, or not go out and find Caterpies. Like it's there there's a, a new spirit of adventure to black and white that you didn't really have since red and blue. Because anywhere you went was a new Pokemon. And there there was something really of value out of that. How how did you feel about that? going from game to game to game to game. Yeah. Uh, did did you... Was that noticeable for you? Yeah, totally. So, you know, again, having 20 years of thinking that Gen 1 was the best and probably still is, I look at still it... true. I look at still it true. this way, is that I was forcing myself to play with new Pokemon on every game, with the exception of Silver because of just the way it's laid out. Like, mm-hmm. that, that was a little bit more difficult. Anyway... This was a really cool change for me. Um, it felt very new. As you mentioned briefly, like uh, getting through Pearl was a bit of a slog for me. And by the time I got done, like I was really kind of like hitting this pacing issue. And I'm like, fuck, man, like that was really difficult to get through, especially after all these quality of life changes from the previous two games. Now going into this, it just felt like I was taking a step backwards. So having this, like, hey, you're playing with new Pokemon in a new region, like you have, you have no choice. I thought that was really cool. And uh, that, like, honestly, black and white really influenced a lot of my play style for uh, X and even in the sun. Like, it was kind of a turning point. Not that it was, not that I hadn't done this already with uh, Sapphire and even Silver. Um, I was really looking at characteristics of my team and some of the more passive abilities rather than, like, defensive or offensive and what these Pokemon, like, discovering them for the first time really did. Like, I had no context for a lot of these Pokemon. I knew from Pokemon Go, okay, I know that this particular Pokemon is going to be a water type. It's going to evolve into this. But, like, these guys, I mean, no clue whatsoever for for Gen 5. Yeah, you'd never seen some of these Pokemon before. Yeah, and I mean, like, even though Gen 4 is not fully in Pokemon Go at this time, there's been enough leak stuff and, like, charts and, like, some infographics that have come out talking a little bit about that and gen five going back to what you said earlier too, chase just like this sold 15 million copies compared to other games like there's not a lot of pomp and circumstance around this game and so a lot of the stuff you see on shelves they're not going to throw your your inboards and things like that out there for you to see like it's going to be still those gen one some gen two and then, especially nowadays, you're going to see a lot of Gen 7 stuff on the shelves because of the freshness of that game. So yeah. I was really in the dark going into this game. And uh, it was cool. Like I, I appreciated that. I needed the shot in the arm that this gave me, especially coming off of a, a, a slower uh, slump. Yeah, and I, and I think, man, I, it hurts me to hear you disparage Diamond and Pearl. I didn't actually go back and listen to the Diamond and Pearl episode that I did a while ago uh, that would have been the the Pokemon episode before this one. 
So I can't definitively say how I felt about it going going back and playing it, but I still have this nostalgia feeling of like, man, I, I put a lot of time into Diamond. Diamond is is I think the only Pokemon game outside of the outside of Red and Blue where I've caught every single Pokemon uh, and and actually had them all. I I, I caught them all. Uh, and I commend you. I, I don't know if I so, want to do that. <laughs> And I just I remember playing a lot of Diamond in college. I think I think part of the reason that you didn't enjoy Diamond and Pearl, and probably part of the reason that you really gravitated towards Black and White, is Pokemon has these kind of two schools of thought in in some aspects, and and a lot of it comes down to story versus exploration. Mm-hmm. And Diamond and Pearl are much more exploration style games, and I think that's great. If you if that's the new game, you can be part of the zeitgeist and you can take it, take your time with it. There, there's a gap of years between Diamond and Pearl and Black and White. There's not a gap of years that you spent between Diamond and Pearl and Black no. and White. So you are you are charging through these games. You're really churning through them. Like I said, you finished uh, Black and White in like a week, mm-hmm. and. It, I think there's a, a lot of a lot of Pokemon to me is is that meandering, that going around, that grind, that that search for for different Pokemon. Not not just legendaries, but to go out, go around the tall grass, find specific Pokemon that you're looking for. That hunt is 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 the game to me, and I think that's why I gravitate more towards those more exploration Pokemon style games. Black and White is a very story-focused game, and, and that leads to another one of those soft reboot changes in philosophy that the developers had for this. This game, some people might say, leads you around by the nose. I might be one of those people. It's every time you get to a town, somebody has to stop you and say, hey, this is what you need to do next. This is where you need to go. You can't go that way. You have to go this way. And you have to go do that thing now. And... That grates on me a lot. I, outside of the beginning of the game, where I think they do a pretty good job of throwing you into the Pokemon adventure, giving you your running shoes early, uh, teaching you how to catch a Pokemon, giving you your starter Pokemon, all that stuff happens really quickly, and that's appreciated and nice and tutorialized really well. And then you just get to the, the first city, and, okay, there's a little bit more tutorialization here, and that's cool. And then you get to the second city. like Okay, yeah, I, all right, now you, you can let me go. I, I know what I'm doing now. And they just they keep doing that basically the whole game. It was and, polarizing between Pearl and this within like days of each other. Sure. And a welcome change for me. So like I'm in the other <laughs> camp. I was so pumped to have, oh my God, there's story here. Please. And I think that that addition, that more focus on story led to richer characters that had a little bit more personality and a little bit more agency. Um, Many of the traditional kinds of characters you find in a Pokemon game, your rival, the professor, the gym leaders, the the villains that you face, the the champion in the Elite Four, like those those are pretty stoic things that have have let have have been in these separate categories. Your rival, kind of a dick. Uh, yep. the the professor puts you on a journey and lets you go, and and then you barely really talk to him anymore. The gym leaders, you go to them, you talk to them once, you fight them, they're done, and you go away. Like you, they they are in their gyms, and that's where they live, and that's it. And 
this game doesn't do that at all. No. This game has you run into Professor Juniper, the first female Pokemon professor, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you run into her a decent amount throughout the story. She calls you and and has things to ask you. You're you don't really have a rival so much no. in this game. You have two friends that are kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum well, of, of what it means to be a Pokemon trainer, and we'll get into them in a little bit later. But the the gym leaders have have so much more to do with the story. They have a real connection to the world that you're in, and all of that's really appreciated, where it feels like it feels like this is a living world compared to other Pokemon games where it feels like you're going through dioramas. Yeah, I really like that too. And I think the towns felt a little bit more uh, alive as well in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really cool sure. too. But having those characters and like having the professor be a bit more involved, like I thought that was neat. Um, the I really appreciated the enemy, so to speak, in this game or the team that you're against. Like they didn't seem so one-dimensional. Like there's a little bit more depth to it, which I thought was great. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely go more in-depth on on who on the on the villains here in a second um let let's run through a, some of the other kind of changes and adjustments they made in this generation so uh tms became infinite use instead of single use items and and those tms being infinite use was was kind of a godsend i i don't know how much you remember from playing uh from playing the original Pokemon games, and then I they were still single use in in Soul Silver when you played through that. But you you kind of, if you're anything like me, you end up hoarding those because like, I don't know which Pokemon to use it on. I only get one. Uh, like, do I do I use this on that guy? Because who knows? I could I could get another Pokemon down the line that I really like, and but then I'm out of that TM. What am I gonna do? So this. This game says, yeah, you're right. That that's super sucks. People just didn't end up using their TMs, and that's lame. Right. So let's make it so you can use them infinitely. And that, and was, that was a, a great huge, change. Huge change. Yeah, because now all of my Pokemon can have Thunderbolt or Earthquake, and like now I'm now I'm ripping fools, and it felt good. Uh, Pokemon can now be traded anywhere, not just at a Pokemon Center. This this is the introduction of the Sea Gear as their second screen. Uh, interface and and part of that using the online service stuff that again crazy that this is 21 days before the the 3ds came out that made it made playing games online a lot a lot more of a smooth experience not not a perfect experience but a smoother experience than it was on the ds and and this game this game did some interesting things. I think it even had kind of a nearby feature that was similar to Street Pass. Um, it did. And, I mean, the, the shitty thing for me was, uh, and we even ran into some conflicts with this, is like, hey, I want to trade and get this evolution. Well, mm-hmm. I'm like, cool, I can just do this over over the internet. And, lo and behold, <laughs> yeah, not, not anymore. Not anymore. So, like, as much as I really wanted the Sea Gear to be this thing, it really didn't work out for me the way it could. And so right. 2018 Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Pokemon black and white in 2018, a little bit different than 20 than in 2011, because now that the, uh, the Nintendo Wi-Fi connection has been shut down, the like none of that stuff works anymore. 
Right. You can still trade Pokemon locally. Like you're not you're not shit out of luck, but you're you're definitely not trading online anymore. And that's sad because that was that was a cool thing. I remember using the the global trade system, the GTS in yeah. Diamond and Pearl, and thinking it was a godsend. Like, what is what is this? I can now I can now just ask for a Pokemon and go to bed, and the next morning I wake up and somebody traded it to me. Oh, this is nuts. Yeah. And then why why do all these Pokemon have Japanese characters in their name instead of their real name? Why why would Nintendo do this to me? That want to use. <laughs> I think that's the dumbest thing in Pokemon. Can I just can I just say that I hate? Well, okay, yes. I also uh, I think we're talking slightly about two different things, but they they intersect in in a way. Whereas I'm just talking about people who were in Japan and had Pokemon names with Japanese characters and trading those over. But you are talking about people who nickname their Pokemon. And I agree with you. Nicknaming your Pokemon is a sin. Yes, it's the worst. No one should ever do. And if you do that, I think you should have to keep that Pokemon. You have to keep your shame. Yes. If you name a Pokemon, that means you care enough about it that you should never fucking trade it. And it pisses me off that they allow that. (laughs) It's so bad. I know. I know. Logistically, you have to do that because how would you get it to the next generation of games if you have to trade it between yourself? But even so, I don't like it. Stop! Stop sending me Pokemon with bad names. Don't send me a shiny. Uh, oh, what did I get? Like a shiny. Uh, Ab- yeah, I got a shiny Abra from a GTS that's named. Uh, that was named Arceus. I was like, that's the name of a different Pokemon. This is the worst thing ever, and I can't trade it away again because it's shiny, and why would I do that? And I got a shiny Greninja named Blackstar, which is real dumb. It's, yes, so bad, so bad. People are awful. Anyway, let's, sorry, let's get back to the point. Uh, yeah, so you could, Pokemon, you could trade Pokemon from anywhere, not just Pokemon centers. Uh, Pokemon now fully animated on the, on the battlefield. That was, that was pretty cool. They, mm-hmm. It wasn't just a quick little animation and then they get back to set. Like, Pokemon bounced around a little bit. They had, they had kind of these idle animations that was, that was really nice. Um, a new seasonal system was added. So the in-game seasons ended up changing every real-world month. Again, if you beat the game in a week, like some of us did, uh, you probably missed out on that. It was, it was but, a cold week. <laughs> but at the time, if you were, if you were playing it properly, uh, you, you'd see that there were slight differences in, in the, the ways that cities worked. It wasn't, it wasn't like full-on Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons in that big things changed, but there are a couple of parts where... If you're in this town and it's winter, there's a big snowbank that you can go up to get to this area that you wouldn't be able to get up on any other season. And and that's kind of cool. That leads to some replay value for the... Or not even just replay value. just leads to you putting in more time with Pokemon yeah. to see what these changes are. Well, they also did that. Like There were certain Pokemon that were impacted by this as well, which is cool. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, I played for a week, as you mentioned, and I only got to play during the winter season... And I was kind of pumped about that, too, because I think it would look the most drastically different than the other seasons. Right. And so having winter, uh, that was really cool to see that. Uh, some of the snow animations, like I thought that was really, really awesome. Uh, it was cool. Like, it's a really neat idea. I, I, think, the, I think seasons, I, I wish they would have carried that over. And then I would love to see Pokemon walking behind you still. Those are two things that I think make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think everyone is with you on... Pokemon should walk behind you. And if you're going to play Pokemon Let's Go, they will. Yep. So that's great. 
Um, the season stuff, I, I go back and forth with. I think they did a good job with it in this game because it didn't affect the Pokemon too much. Yeah, there were a couple Pokemon that, hey, if you catch this in winter, it looks a little bit different than if you catch it in summer. It has some different coloring to it. But uh, Pokemon games have... Sometimes it's really not fun or works on your schedule if you're not a child to have, let's say, a Pokemon that you can only catch on Friday mornings, yeah. and that's it. Um, and that, that happened in Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. Uh, catching a Drifloon is uh, bullshit, I will say. Um, so I, I'm glad they didn't abuse it here, but I could totally see if future Pokemon games said, oh, we're going to keep the season thing, that they might say, well, now you can only catch this Pokemon in fall, and I would have hated that. Even if it's each month the 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 seasons change in game, I would still hate that because now I have to wait three months to to catch all those exclusive Pokemon, and that I I would probably have not been okay with that. <laughs> right. Uh, um, we added two new types of battling here. We had triple battles and rotation battles. So double battles were something that had already been added. I forget which generation a- a- added that one. I guess it was Diamond. No, it was uh, it was Ruby and Sapphire that yep. added double battles, but uh, but now we got triple battles and uh, rotation battles, and it was really interesting. There's a there's an Awada asks uh, with the Pokemon Black and White developers, and he even brought up triple battles and rotation battles, I think, and they mentioned how these two new types of battling systems were were brought in for different reasons and were a real balance in that triple battles added another layer of strategy so they were really strategic because the now you had to worry about what moves could hit what pokemon like your pokemon on your left side couldn't hit the pokemon on your opponent's left side right uh because they were too far away from each other it was kind of lane based but you could you could hit the people you could hit the pokemon in the lane next to you but not too too lanes over from you and that adds some strategy. So your Pokemon in the middle can attack anybody, but your Pokemon's on the side, like they they are a little bit more limited, and you have to figure out even some of the ways that moves combine. Like a, a move like Earthquake hits hits uh, like everyone around you, everyone in in uh, in your circle, even your own Pokemon. But if you have a Pokemon next to it that knows that's a flying type, well, Earthquake doesn't affect it. And it affects everything around it. So that's fantastic. That, that would be the dream. Uh, you have a Pokemon who knows Surf, and they have similar problems. But if you have a Pokemon that, that learns Fly or learns Dig, it can get out of the way before that attack comes that, that hits other things. And I think there's something really cool about triple battles. It's a little more difficult. Uh, there's something kind of shitty about it where I can't see what my uh, opponent's using, so I don't know where to place people. Right, but but that's every Pokemon battle to to an extent. Then there's rotation battles, which they admit were much more luck based. Yeah. And if you're anything like me, and I think you are, rotation battles fucking suck. They're so dumb, man. Like, so you asked me a series of questions in preparation for this on like just keeping some notes on my playthrough, and yeah. one of them was around these battles. And like, yeah, the triple battles are cool, but. The rotation battles were so bad, it just cast a giant shadow over anything else. And I feel that 
the the rotation battles like is all gimmick. It's just like, hey, here's another change that you can talk about yeah. in the mechanics of the gameplay in a series that people won't change with. So to explain what Pokemon rotation battles are to people, you still pick three. You have still have three Pokemon out there like you would in a triple battle, but they're only one. They're only showing up one at a time. The other two are kind of behind the scenes, and you can switch your Pokemon once, left or right before you attack and when you do attack your opponent has an opportunity to switch left or right before they attack and or before they even take the attack so often you're trying to hit a super effective move on somebody you're you're saying okay you are electric i am ground i'm gonna use a ground move and then they switch their pokemon randomly because they have to pick before that move actually happens but they just pick, oh, well, I, I think I'll switch over to this guy who's flying now. I, I, well, then I couldn't hit that. And that's, that's, not, that's not the way these battles... That's not the way Pokemon battles against the CPU work, and that really sucks, and it just made for a really unfun way to play those type of battles. Thankfully, both of those kinds of battles are pretty rare in the game you'll you'll run into a couple of those over the course uh, oh you run into charles and he's a heartbreaker (laughs) and he tells you all about and he does break your heart with his broken ass battle system (laughs) he's hanging out behind Uh, the farmer's market and he just wants to do a rotation battle get out of here charles uh, charles we're uh we're not fan we're not fans of charles here on gamers on the go uh now there, there are also a decent amount of double battles in this game. If you walk up to, to specific trainers, sometimes they're twins or brother and sister or, or a couple, uh, they'll, they'll do a double battle with you. There were also these places, these darker patches of grass where you could sometimes find double battles instead of, instead mm-hmm. of just one-on-one wild battles. And those are pretty cool too, especially if you were trying to grind up Pokemon because this game still didn't have the, uh, the experience share for for all pokemon at this time you actually find an experience share put it on one pokemon and then that pokemon was the one getting some of the experience after a battle which i think to you after playing uh omega ruby alpha sapphire and coming back to diamond and pearl and then even to this you you struggled with that a little bit i believe i did i i uh that was a huge bummer, and it was nice to have that ability to move your team forward in the in a succession with the EXP share for everybody. Mm-hmm. So what I ended up doing was, I believe in black, black and white, yeah, and black and white version two, you had the capability of getting two EXP shares throughout the game, and so I think uh, so, and, yeah. and, they, and you could also even trade Pokemon holding yeah, which, an experience share and send them over to have even more, which isn't necessarily an optimal strategy because now you're just really splitting up the, the experience among all the Pokemon and nobody's really gaining anything at all at yeah, some point. It, it was rough at times, but I ended up doing uh, the two EXP shares being held and then I uh, was just hot swapping all the time. So like if it was a double battle... Two swaps, you know, then go into it and just, it was a lot of grinding for a a short period of time. Right. Bobby, let me ask you a question. How many Pokemon musicals did you participate in over the course of Black and White? 
uh, I think, if I remember correctly, they force you into one. Like, at mm. least, like... like they, they force you to go into the building. Yeah. You don't have to do one. That's the closest I got to doing one. Okay. So you really didn't experience Pokemon at all, did you? Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, yeah, I, I didn't do too much of this either. Pokemon Musicals was just for this one game, and it never showed up again. But this was their contest equivalent. Contests were added in Ruby and Sapphire because... Yeah. There, there's a certain sub subset of players who who would like to do different things with their Pokemon. They're not all about battling, which Game Freak tries to kind of cater to with contests, with with uh, musicals, the way the way they do all these things, the Pokemon Ami, and and some of the other things they've added in in later games. But the my issue with it is they still force you to battle. Like you still. You can't go to every different town and just do the contests. You you still have to go fight the gym leader. You still have to go actually battle. So they aren't really catering. It feels like they're throwing a bone to the people who want to play Pokemon in a different way, which is not my preferred way of playing Pokemon, right. for sure. But I somebody out there thinks this is a valid way of playing Pokemon, and, and I applaud them. But Game Freak's not really giving them equal treatment. And it's just, and they keep they keep trying every once in a while they they throw you another bone but it's a lot of these feel like tacked on afterthoughts uh, contest contest didn't quite I mean they they added the Pokeblock stuff that you you use you use to upgrade your Pokemon's like secondary stats of beauty and, and, and coolness and that kind of stuff and then the all the moves had different sets where uh, like this this fire move isn't actually a fire move anymore it's a cool move and you have to use that to impress the judges there's something interesting about that and they even tried in ruby and sapphire to say we want you to at least uh, engage with this a little bit because they forced you to try to uh, not catch but evolve a feebas into melodic and the only way to do that was to max out its beauty stat in that game so it sucked. It, it yeah. was awful because now you had to to go through these Pokeblocks, and if you didn't like playing the game that way, you just never got a melodic, and it was really hard to get them because it it took a lot of you had to find the right ingredients, you had to play a mini game to to get the right kind of Pokeblock that that would upgrade beauty, and then you had to just keep feeding it to your Feebas, and and hopefully one time it would it would turn into the melodic. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, I didn't I don't get melodic. That's I didn't get a melodic until later, and I think even then it came from a friend who said, "Yeah, I did this twice for I guess no reason." So here you go. And melodic's and, a cool Pokemon. And I, I loved him forever. Hats off to yeah. him. Melodic is is totally cool. The the, the female Gyarados in a way, yep. and that's that's pretty neat. Um, yeah, but Pokemon musicals in black and white. I I'm gonna be a little bit fuzzy on what exactly they are, but the idea is that you get a prop case. You can dress up your Pokemon with different costume elements. Give them a little hula skirt. Give them a bow in their hair or fur or whatever, um, and then they can perform these mu- musicals where they dance around and and do a little thing. And I don't know if you get scored on it or not. I sorry, I really don't know that much about uh, about these musicals. But uh, but again, another way of playing the game, and and that is that is cool for those people who like that. I just wish Game Freak would allow those players to play 
more in the way that they prefer kind of like kind of like a minecraft creative mode at that point these are the people who don't want to engage with the zombies these are the people who just want to build and just want to have yeah. fun and and they should they should try making pokemon games a little more open like that and i think well maybe, think maybe that's that what that let's go translates with. well yeah totally i was going to say like i even think pokemon go there's there's something to be said there for that because Pokemon Go is, you could play that game without battling anything ever. Correct. And and do pretty well. Like you'd you'd miss out on the the raid Pokemon. You'd miss out on maybe a couple Pokemon that are. I don't know if they're exclusive to to gyms like the 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 smaller raids, but um, like I, like a Metatite is is one that I ended up fighting today, and I think you can find a Metatite around. Uh, yeah. in the world but yeah. they're much more rare and you'll find them more often in those raids uh but other than that you don't really need to fight in in pokemon go to enjoy the game well they even did a cool thing with melodic not to like side rail it but like to get mm-hmm. a melodic you have to give it a hundred candy but you also have to walk that Feebas 20 20 kilometers yeah mm-hmm. and so like they they make you do that little grind that you have in the game that you just talked about too it's interesting how they try to kind of bring over some of the elements from the games that they came from. Um, yeah. We also dealt with it recently because of an event with Eevee of the the way you get a, an Eevee to evolve into an Espeon in Gold and Silver and all subsequent Pokemon games is it has to like you. It has to gain a certain amount of friendship with you and then uh, level up during the day. And that's where you get Espeon. And if it levels up during night, you'd get Umbreon. So in, in Pokemon Go, they would they do that using the buddy system where you get a Pokemon that kind of is that Pokemon that's with you and you earn these candies by walking it around. So if you walk around with your Eevee 10 kilometers, it becomes it, it, that's the kind of friendliness towards you that you'd get the equivalent of the game. And then if you give it enough candies to make it evolve during the day, you're going to get Espeon and, or Umbreon at night. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate the way they do those things to to kind of give you a nod back to other things, especially where, <laughs> I mean, they didn't have some of these features in Pokemon Go for the original generation for a Pokemon like Weepin' Bell that you in a normal game you'd give it a Leaf Stone to evolve it to Victory Bell, and that's there are no Leaf Stones in in Pokemon Go. They yeah. they've added it for the next generations of here's a Sunstone, here's a Metal Coat. So those those Games Gen two Pokemon like yeah those Gen two Pokemon and Gen threes you you kind of evolve them the way that they were evolved in the in their original games, but some of them they don't. Anyway, so contests we are we're done with that we're moving on uh, and then also after beating the game Pokemon from Diamond Pearl uh, Platinum Soul Silver Heart Gold you can import those Pokemon using uh, what's called the Poke Transfer. Which requires you to play this terrible little mini game, and you can only bring over six Pokemon at a time. Did you did you do any of this to bring over those Pokemon that you'd been playing with? Uh, yeah, I did. Because I know your ultimate goal was to to bring in some of these Pokemon to the bank uh, that they've added with uh with X and Y. Yeah, absolutely. Like the whole thing when I discovered the bank makes the most sense to me. Like I think that's a brilliant brilliant addition to the the franchise, and um, I was like. Originally, I was like, oh, cool, I'll play this game, and then I'll move my Pokemon over to the bank. And I was just like, oh, shit, I can't do that. 
And there was just like this kind of dread of like, no, how am I going to make all these connect? And at, at the beginning, it was just like, okay, I'll play this game and then I'm going to jump to a game that allows me to do it. And then it became playing them all. But yeah, I, I started to do this. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chase. So I, I had a DS briefly, but I obviously didn't play anything on it. Uh, Pokemon related, but my understanding is is that if you had played black and white at the time and completed it, you then had to have a cartridge um, of one of the previous games that you would put in at the same time, and that's how you would get those Pokemon from the previous generations into a separate into a separate machine. Yes, no. I, I, I thought it was the same one. You might be right. I, at some point, I forgot how. Here, here's the deal. In this is again, it's a death death by a thousand cuts. But for me and for people who played these games as they came out, we were only getting cut once per every couple of years. So yeah, I had to deal with trying to bring over my Ruby and Sapphire Pokemon into Pokemon Diamond and Pearl by by using the pal park thing which was awful in that you could only bring over six pokemon a day per 24 hours and it was it was an absolute mess and so i spent many days on the bus going okay well these are the six i'm bringing over today and there's like a million more that i'd like to bring over so i guess i'll just have to wait till tomorrow to move over another six and it was painful so at the very least, this this game allowed you to move over Pokemon much faster. You still did it at six at a time, but you could do six at a time and then immediately another six. So that that was better. But again, it's another jump it's another hoop to jump through. And then another hoop to jump through after that. You playing these back to back to back, you got cut a lot <laughs> very quickly. Yeah, I was fucking bleeding bad. Um, and that sucks. That yeah. sucks. And and I've had to do that too, where I decided, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and play Ruby and Sapphire. And it's like, oh man, I, I had a lot of fun with this team. I'd like to bring these guys over. Okay, I guess I gotta go get this game out. I gotta get this DS out. I got to get these two DSs out. I gotta get all this shit out. And well, luckily you had let me borrow one process. of yours. So I, I had purchased when I well I had been borrowing one of your 3DS XLs, mm-hmm. and I decided. It's time for me to get my own machine because I'm really committing to doing this and I've had this far too long from Chase. But I did get to linger a little bit longer with it and uh, use that to transfer stuff over between the two, which which made life pretty easy. I didn't have to rely on, you know, friends meeting up all the time. I was able to be a little bit more efficient with it that way. Sure. All right. Well, let's get into the actual story here. Talk about what the game is, uh, what the game has you do. So the game starts you with your friends. It, it establishes Bianca and Sharon very early. And it has you pick your starter from them instead of the professor. Like, the, the professor sent over these three Pokemon. She says, hey, you kids decide which you ones you want. want. Yeah. Bobby, who'd you pick? Uh, I ended up with an Emboard. Okay. With a Tepig. Tepig. I started off with a Tepig. Yeah. Um, and I believe at this point in time... No, I'll take that back. I was going to say, like, I'm, I'm, I have a, a soft spot for Water-type Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And this was my first um, fire starter. Interesting. In, in playing, cool. in playing. So this is my first time having a fire starter. Any specific reason why? Um, well, you and Johnny had really said that you enjoyed him, and compared to the other two, that he was a, a pretty safe bet. Um, mm-hmm. I think that 
the combination of uh, well, blaze. I, I did have a blazekin on my previous time because I was able to use the the bank to transfer those guys in when I played it yeah. that way. But um, that firefight type, I think, is a, a pretty good combo. And uh, what he lacked in defense, he definitely made up an attack for sure. And so he had, he learned a lot of cool moves and was just. It was nice to have some of those fire based physical attacks with him because man alive, like he was. He's just a sweeper. Like you go in and sweep a lot of stuff with this guy based off of his two move sets. Yeah, I think in my original playthrough of Black and White, I went with Tepig, but uh, this time I went Oshawott. I, honestly, I really don't care. I I don't like the starters from this game very much at all. Yeah, they're, and, they're uh, just okay. And also, like you said earlier, the Pokemon Bank is one of the best features they've added to Pokemon ever, and I agree with that. But it has also ruined the way I play po- some Pokemon games in that. I already have a level 100 Embor. There's, I don't, I don't feel the need to to play with the starters because I've I've got all of them all the way leveled up. I need to play with something new. So I went through this game with a with a very interesting team that is not optimal and probably led to uh, a lot of problems as I as I played through the game and and just made the game a little harder on myself when I didn't need need it to be. Whereas you going through your forums, playing this game for the first time, seeing these Pokemon for the first time. It sounds like you got some of the big bruisers. We'll go through our teams later, but I think that probably helped you blaze through the game even faster. Yeah. Uh, in I addition mean, to I, you just playing the game like a like a damn monster. A little like appetizer into that discussion that we'll have later on is, is that you have to remember 20 years of one knowledge, one mindset of single-type Pokemon. And yeah. so, like, the whole dual-type Pokemon thing for me and, like, what that opens up from a strategy standpoint was huge. Well, I mean, there were there were some dual-types in in the original generation. Like, like Pidgeotto is... is Pidgey and Pidgeotto is normal and flying. Oh, yeah, um, sure. Like that, and Charizard ended up being fire and flying eventually. Like, they, there were certainly dual-types, but they weren't as prevalent and they weren't as... Um, as intense i'd say like there there are a lot of weird combinations of types in in some of these later games whereas in the original a lot of it was just well these pokemon are poison and grass because i mean i i guess they are like why not like almost every pokemon was poison and grass uh i don't think there were pure there were, were there any pure grass types in the first generation i don't remember um yeah me either but but yeah, like some like some of them were interesting. Like you had Jinx with their Ice and Psychic, but uh, yeah, a, a lot of them weren't just very weren't very inspired. It's this Pokemon has wings, so I guess it's a type and flying, and sure. that's just what we did. But but this time, yeah, they got into a lot of new and different uh, type uh, combinations, and there's certainly something more to that for for a player like you that's new to this. Uh, so again, you meet your friends, you pick your starter. Uh, we talked a little bit about your your friends slash rivals earlier in the game earlier in this podcast, but you have Bianca. She's this very innocent, sweet girl. She's very friendly. She's a little naive, maybe more than a little naive. She doesn't really care about battling. She wants people to get along and be friends. She's looking to go on an adventure and and isn't all about this this training to be the best. But uh, but Sheeran is the exact opposite. He is. He he's not here to make friends. He is the reality show guy of of Pokemon Black and White. He wants to train to be the very best. He wants to be the champion, and 
he wants it so bad that he doesn't even really think beyond that. In fact, you meet the champion at a part in this game, and the champion talks to Sheeran and is like, "Okay, so you want to be you want to be champion?" Sheeran's like, "Hell yeah, I do." And he goes, "Cool. What do you do after that?" Well, I don't know. Train more and become even better. Yeah, I mean, you can do that, but that's not right. that's not an answer. That's not that's not a thing you do. And, and part of the reason is like Sheeran is is grilling this guy of. What are you doing out here? Why are you out here having fun? Like you should be, you should be getting even better. And Alder, the champion, is just like that's not a life. That's not. Yep. You're not going to be fulfilled just that with that singular focus. You need more out of it than that. And there's a bigger world out there than just training so hard to become the champion. And your character, kind of canonically, is somewhere in between with that. You, you care about pokemon uh you also want to train to be to be a very good trainer uh your true rival in the game in is uh is is your is a guy who is kind of is kind of like you in a lot of ways like he he is doing things for what he thinks are good reasons but he's he doesn't have that kind of singular focus like Sheeran does of he does he doesn't really care about being the best. He has a larger goal in mind, but he's also not going to be super friendly and You're and telling me that these characters lucky. weren't very black and white, they were more gray. You know what? That's a that's a great thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, like this this is a Pokemon game that has more shades than than a number of other Pokemon games in the franchise do. And a lot of that comes from the villains. Why don't you talk a little bit about the villains? I feel like I've been talking a lot. So tell tell me about Team Plasma. Tell me like, what they're up to, what their goal is. Because you had you have teams like Team Rocket who are there to steal everybody's Pokemon and take over the world. You have po- you have teams like uh, Team Magma and Team Aqua that want to make the whole world land or make the whole world water, which are terrible, yeah. terrible, re- terrible things to want to do um and and you have other teams that have these kinds of goals what's what is team plasma's goal yeah essentially they're they're going out to say like should we even use pokemon and and own pokemon so to speak or keep them in balls and battle with them and all these things like does a pokemon actually enjoy being captured and raised and like these are wild creatures. These are things that have been around for millennia compared to us. And who are we to to go in to these world formers and want to take them in and make them domesticated, so to speak? And you know, I, I it's a pretty deep thought for a child's game, uh, so to speak. I mean, like if we're going to call it what it is, like I think there's some mm-hmm. really heady heady ideas here to get meta in a game that is always been uh, you got to catch them all. And then you're immediately being asked, like, well, should you catch them all? And I think that's an interesting uh, area. And quite frankly, it's the first time that I've actually felt like, hey, this is not a generic team that has some take-over-the-world conquests. Like, ultimately, there's some of that, like, power and science stuff that goes into it. But we're going out to ask the question, should you be doing what you're doing and really think about that? Yeah. On the surface, they seem to have a noble purpose that you don't you don't necessarily agree with but you see their point yeah and and they do they do give you this new perspective 
you know, Pokemon is a game that was born out of the idea of bug collecting. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something that, that people, uh, children did a lot in Japan, especially young boys. And you could, like, you, you gather these beetles, and then you'd even have the, the beetles fight, because they've got big horns on them. That's kind of what they do anyway, so let's put them in there and, and let them fight. And insects, I think, garner a, a very different set of, a very different kind of empathy than, let's say, dogs do, or other, yeah. uh, other uh, pets like that, or, or even just other animals. Uh, mammals, for sure. Uh, Pokemon are not all bugs. <laughs> and even yeah. though it's based on the idea of, of bug collecting, Pokemon aren't just bugs. There, there are lots of animals that we feel a, a lot more attachment to. And there, there was this question. I, I remember even talking to kids. like We were young and we didn't really care, but there was, there was that element out there of, like we're just kind of like virtual cockfighting at this point, and that's mm-hmm. weird. Like that's, I, I mean, people cockfighting's illegal. Yeah. Fighting dogs, as Michael Vick would know, is not something you should be doing, and and people frown upon that. But we do this virtually with Pokemon, and that's kind of weird. We keep them in these balls. We keep them trapped in these balls that are really small. And yeah, there's a justification that the Pokemon the energy of the Pokemon is in there or whatever. I, I think they've delved into it in the anime once, maybe, and maybe even refuted it later of what actually happens inside a Pokeball. But it's, it's weird. It's, it's not... <laughs> morally, it, it leaves you a little... If you look into it, if you read into it, which you probably shouldn't at this point, like it's, it's a little ethically weird. And so, that's what this game preys upon. It's you shouldn't be doing this to Pokemon. Like they are, they are free wild animals. What are you doing? You well, should let there, all your Pokemon go. There's a line in the game from Sharon that I, I actually quoted after I beat the game to you guys, and that is, is, is it I who am going stronger, or is it my Pokemon? Mm. And and I thought that was interesting in in the sense of like limiting growth and like are we doing the right things with them and. Am I becoming smarter and stronger, or is it my Pokemon that are? And like, is the trainer stronger because the Pokemon level up? Is that because what they did? I mean, there's a whole lot of like really deep existential crisis <laughs> conversations that you can have around around this, which I think is interesting. Yeah, like they they give you the tools. They don't really go that deep in it, and also they give you a total out because you learn that that Team Plasma is not is not nearly as uh, virtuous as they appear on the right. surface, and they're actually just dick bags. They're basically Team Rocket because they just want everyone to let go of their Pokemon, and then they'll be the only ones with Pokemon, right. and then they can take over the world. And that's that's kind of lame. That gives that gives you an out, and that lets that lets you be defiant. In well, no, they're wrong, so they're probably wrong about everything, and. I mean, like you said, it's a it's a game mainly geared for children, so you kind of let it go. But there is an interesting ethical question to have in here about like whether whether it's actually okay to own a Pokemon like that. And and the game tries to to give you other outs in well, my Pokemon and me, uh, the, the Pokemon I have are my partners, and and in who <laughs> miraculously has the ability to talk to Pokemon. Something not why not? 
other not other people do. Uh, <laughs> he even talks to your own Pokemon and goes, "Oh, well, I guess you're one of the good ones because your Pokemon really likes you." It's like, come on, like yeah. stop, stop giving me these get out of jail free cards when you're on the cusp of asking interesting questions. But like you said, again, kids' game, you kind of let it go. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I, I thought. And I continue to think playing through these games, like in my head, I'm like, what would like a mature, hyper-realistic Pokemon game look like? Yeah. And like the weight that like, what would these battles look like? Like what would that move do to decimate something? Totally. Yeah. I mean, they, that's even something they like just barely touch on in a, in a relatively bad way at the very beginning of the game where your friends go, Hey, why don't we just battle in your room? Like right. these Pokemon are small, it'll be fine, and they end up trashing your room at the end. Right. And and yeah, they're only moving using moves like tackle and maybe ember or something. But like you get down the line and now you're in a big dragon that's using fire blast. Like that wouldn't that roast everything around? Oh, it'd be like, gone but, completely. There there has to be somebody out there who's been killed by a Pokemon move right and and they just kind of hand wave that away and go yeah. i mean i don't know no pokemon would never do that right uh it's yes there there are certainly some some uh concessions you have to make when you when you play these games all right let's move on here let's talk about these gym leaders because that is that is one of those things i mentioned earlier that i really appreciate here the gym leaders feel more like real people they aren't just trainers they're they're really pillars of their community and for the most part, they, they hold down jobs within their towns and, and actually contribute. And that's, that's really cool. In the very first uh, town you go to, uh, which name escapes me, I can look at it on this piece of paper, but it is also really dark. Um, Stry, uh, is it Striaton City? I usually call it Striation City, uh, but that's not correct. That's not how it's spelled. Uh, Striaton City. Uh, you fight three trainers, which is also an interesting thing. Or you fight yeah. one of three trainers, which is kind of lame. But it is interesting how they... It, this is a tutorial, more yeah, or less. And it's, it's like, teaching you about type advantage. And that's pretty cool. You fight uh, Chili, uh, Silen, or Cress, depending on which starter you picked. Because they'll always try to use the one... They'll, they'll always use the, the trainer who has a type advantage over you. And they also point you in a direction where you catch a Pokemon that will better fight them, one of yeah. the uh, the Pan Pokemons, Pan Sage, Pan Seer, or Pan Poor. And uh, it just teaches you about type advantage, and that's pretty cool. But they, even more importantly, they are uh, all, uh, they all own a restaurant. The gym is a restaurant, and mm-hmm. they are waiters, restaurateurs in, in this gym. So the gym isn't just a gym anymore, and that's really cool. It, it gives it gives a reason to be in there. It's not just like Brock, who sits in a gym with rocks and plays with rocks all day. Like that's that's all Brock does. And I mean, what a weird gym! Like uh, yeah. there's boulders in here. Uh, or or Misty, like, Misty slightly better because it's like oh, it's a pool. Like right. that's, that's something that maybe the public could use. But a lot of this stuff is weird. It's just this is this is a gym. That's where you train, right? And and these places in Pokemon Black are like, no, we need more than that. Uh, you go to the next place and and you fight Lenora, who's a museum curator. The gym is a museum. 
Uh, Elsa, uh, Alessa is a model, and, and she's got kind of like a theme park-style gym. Uh, Skyla is a pilot. She, she pilots a big cargo plane. Like the, there are reasons for for some of these for some of these gym leaders. Not all of them. Uh, I have no idea what what Bryson, uh, the ice trainer, does or why his gym is just filled with ice. I don't know what that really does for anybody. I don't know what Drayden or Iris do. They're they're the kind of the. Uh, you played white, correctly? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So you played white. I played black. And depending on which version you play, uh, the final gym leader, who is a dragon gym leader will will change it'll either be drayden for black did you fight drayden uh yes okay drayden for white iris for black um and their team's the exact same so it that doesn't really change the the, like used car salesman cowboy (laughs) uh what was his name like clint or something like that clay Uh, clay clay yeah like even even he was a miner like his gym is a mine He's he's kind of like a, a minor slash sheriff of the town a little bit. Like he's they're they're pillars of the community and they do things. They leave their gyms, they leave their towns to go talk to people. Uh, you meet uh, is it is it Berg? I think Berg is the bug guy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, like Berg even shows up earlier in the game before you get to his town, which is the the New York City equivalent. And, and he helps you out with something like Team Plasma's making a making a ruckus, and, and Berg is over there helping you out, and like that's that's cool. The gym leaders are people. It's it's nice, uh, and eventually at the end of the game, you will you'll get to a point where all the gym leaders come together because except except for the first three from the restaurant, they all decided to take a take a day, or maybe they had double shifts that day. Who knows? Uh, but all the other gym leaders decide they're important enough to get together and try to stop Team Plasma at the end, and that's that's really cool. Like that's that's something I really really appreciate out of this game. Absolutely. Um, let's see. So, uh, kind of blazing through the story here. Um, you'll uh, you'll get to Nimbasa City. You meet In again. You learn that he is actually the king of of Team Plasma. He's the head of it. So he he also in a in a big way is your rival in this game, um, and and they do kind of change the way a lot of these Pokemon tropes happen in the game in in previous yeah. games. Previous games, your rival has often risen to the to the role of champion, and then you have to fight him to become the champion yourself. Um, some some games didn't do that. Like Diamond and Pearl had had a, a Cynthia, correct? Yes, um, and Cynthia, who who's a very hard champion, uh, like she showed up every once in a while in the story, but uh, but yeah, in, in this game, your your rivals, like the idea of what your rival is, is even a little fuzzy. Is it Sharon? Is it Bianca? In some in some is, ways, isn't this the one too where the type advantage, like your usually your rival had the type advantage over you? Sharon, Sharon does, Bianca doesn't, and in in kind of has his own team yeah that that doesn't change um yeah so so you meet in again he tells you that he's actually the king he says hey this is my plan this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get this legendary dragon because once i get that i'm going to basically scare intimidate respect get get the gain the respect of everybody to the point where they just realize that what 
I and Team Plasma are doing uh, is just, and they need to to release their Pokemon. And that's all he wants. He's, he really is just trying to get people to release their Pokemon to let Pokemon be free, because he, he talks to them, and he knows they don't like... He, he knows. He just knows that they don't like being um, oh, yeah. don't attached do to humans that way. Except you're still good, so because you're one of the good ones he kind of challenges you to try to stop him and uh he he even forecasts that showdown of yeah like somewhere down the line you and i are going to fight and and you need to find this other uh you need to find the other dragon to try to stop me because that's the only way you're going to do it oh boy anyway so uh Nimbasa City here, it also, like, it's a big change for you and, and in and learning more about the story, but it's also a big change for your friends. Uh, this is the place, this is the, the, the place that's the amusement park is where Nimbasa City is and you fight Alessa. Yeah. Uh, Bianca has an argument with her dad. Her dad comes from, you know, all the towns that you've gone through. He's gone through them too to go find his daughter and bring his daughter back because he doesn't think she should be on this big adventure and she's trying to kind of push back of, you know what, I, I'm, I'm doing this for me. Yeah, I don't like battling, but I'm, I'm trying to kind of find myself a little bit more. And, and that's, a, that's a cool story. She actually becomes uh, a stronger character after that. And, and she can't fight her battle totally. Um, she needs the Nimbasa gym leader, Alessa, to come out and, and kind of um, strengthen her argument and... and assuage her her father's fears that you know she's going to get into some sort of trouble even though she does her pokemon gets stolen from her at one point by team plasma uh but but it does like there there are shades to these characters which is really interesting and we already talked about the the meeting that sharon has with the champion alder right outside the city where he kind of has his convictions uh challenged a little bit and and that that leads to Sheeran wondering whether that's what he actually wants to do and what it means to be a champion and, and what he actually wants out of, out of being a trainer. Absolutely. So, uh, like you learn all this great stuff about in, but there's this other guy gets us who is kind of the, the public face of team plasma. And you learn that he's not on the up and up. He's, he's the he's one a, that's really out there. He's a real piece to, of shit. This guy, he really is. He's, he is totally that figure of, well, once everybody releases their Pokemon, I will become the, the only one who matters. And, and that's, you know, whatever. And you, you gotta, you gotta end up fighting him, uh, much later in the game. So let's, let's kind of skip through the rest of the game here, get to the, to the end part. Cause I think the end part's interesting and where it really deviates from a lot of previous Pokemon games. You go through victory road, you get to the elite four, which is something you'll deal with in every Pokemon game. But this Elite Four is a little different in that you can fight them in any order that you want. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, how would you feel about this? Again, coming from previous Pokemon games that, that forced you down a particular path. Totally. Um, so overall, I really liked it. And uh, in the notes that I wrote down here, I, I mentioned my, my love for a series in Zelda. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do find it very similar uh the atriums that they have you go down to to get to that final boss, like it very much felt like, okay, go to this part, you're going to get a key that's going to unlock this door, and then that torch is lit that'll bring up, you know, this next step into it. Yeah, I mean, there's not really puzzle solving here, but there is right. at least the spectacle feels similar, totally. sure. And I think it also allowed you to kind of look at, like, resources that you had, because once you go in to do this, you're, you're kind of locked out from getting anything else. If you can't 
going heal Correct. up. You can't get more re- uh, more items to heal your Pokemon. So knowing like what your lineup is and kind of where your strengths and weaknesses are as a as a group, you're like, okay, I should maybe tackle this part first because I can get by on this if I'm imbalanced. And I think that there was some nice. It was just another thing that gave you a little more strategy and control over it. Like ultimately, it doesn't really fucking matter. But at the end of it, it does give you some 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 interesting attacks. Yeah, like yeah, you're right. It doesn't particularly matter. In fact, it it kind of changes the level curve a little bit because all the elite four members kind of have to have basically the same levels of Pokemon. Whereas in the original, uh, in Gen One, uh, Lorelei is is weaker than Lance for sure. Like those, that's just kind of the way it works because they know you're gonna fight linear linearly. Um, Personally, I don't really like the type spread uh, of mm-hmm. the Elite Four. It's it's Ghost, Dark, Psychic, and Fighting, and and I feel like all of those are very similar. Very similar, or at least play play with each other a lot in in how they they interact, and it it just didn't lead to a lot of interesting battles to me. And honestly, the main types that they are don't really matter because they they use a ton of dual types that that know a ton of different attacks and. They they barely feel like they are, they barely feel like they are the Pokemon they say they are. Right. <laughs> like oh I'm the I'm the dark gym leader or I'm the dark elite four member, but um, all all my Pokemon use all these different moves. So who really cares if if I'm dark or not? Um, and I just the the team I had again my team was was kind of odd. My team just couldn't. My team struggled with that a lot. Then once you get through that. Uh, you normally would be facing the champion. Mm-hmm. And you don't really do that here. Or I guess you kind of do. Because uh, Alder got his ass kicked by In because In has a legendary Pokemon here and just ices him. Uh, and depending on which version you're playing, he'll have the opposite color dragon. Like, you, you were playing Pokemon White, so he had... Uh, he had the white so dragon. He, oh, no, he has the white dragon. Yeah. You're correct. Um, and you'd get Zekrom... Uh, in mine, he had he had Zekrom, and I was getting uh, Reshiram. Uh, so you have to you have to fight in. But before you fight in, you actually have to fight the legend, the cohort, the 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 uh, complement to yeah. his legendary dragon, and you're forced to catch it, which yeah. is interesting. That's that's another thing that that Pokemon games just hadn't done up until that point, where. You have to catch this Pokemon, or you fail and have to start it over. Yeah, uh, and that that was that was a weird thing. Like normally, you've been you've had the option to just knock those Pokemon out and not get them, um, but but in here you need to catch it. And I don't think they do. They actually force you to keep the Pokemon. Yeah, uh, they well, they do. You have they, to make a slot for it, or you can decide to send it to the PC. You, I think you ultimately no 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 no. You got to have it for this one. They make you keep okay. it. They force you to send a different Pokemon. To yep, the you got to kick somebody out of your party. Yeah, so you you fight in. You have the big spectacular legendary battle with the the two big dragons. Cool. You beat in. Seems like all right, all right. That's the game. Cool. And then Getsus goes. No, you got to fight me too. And and Getsus has an even harder team than In does. Somehow he's <laughs> he's that just decided. Bastard. Oh wait, I'm a really good trainer. Uh, he does have one notoriously underleveled uh, hydrogen, mm-hmm. hydrogen. What I, I forgot what exactly Hy- the name hydrogen. is, but the yeah, the the three the three headed dragon yeah. dark 
Dragon Dark? Dragon Dark. Dark Dragon. Uh, yeah, very yeah. cool Dark Dragon. Yeah, super cool Pokemon. He's underleveled, though, compared to the rest of his team, which is a little odd, uh, but but still. And only after that have you beaten the game. And even then, there's a lot of extra extracurricular stuff to do, a lot of legendaries to go find. Uh, you can find the other seven sages. Getsus is one of these uh, of the seven sages that are kind of holding up Team Plasma, and they all scatter, and you have to go find them. You don't actually end up finding Getsus, and and you don't really get the satisfaction of capturing him. But at the time, we didn't know we were getting a direct sequel to these games, right. uh, and that's what Black Two and White Two is. And there may be some uh, some resolution in those games instead about what happens here. Uh, so, Bobby, how would you how do you feel about this kind of this really extended end game sequence here? Because I I remember in that in the first the first time I ever played Pokemon Red and Blue, I got through the Elite Four. I went, oh man, I did it! I uh, I did I beat the Elite Four. It's great. And then Lance goes, yeah, but you didn't because somebody beat you to it. And now you have to face the real champion. And uh, the first time I did it, uh, Gary or Blue or, or whatever you ended up naming him, uh, your rival just, at least for me, he smokes me immediately. Because it was a really nail-biter thing that I had going on with yeah. Lance. And <laughs> so I just didn't have anything left. I went, oh fuck! That's it's not even. I'm no, not even fair. done. Yeah, and no, and they fun. do that. They do that twice to you in Pokemon Black and White. Not only do you get through the Elite Four and go, whew, I did it, but now they go, oh wait, there's one more. And then after that, they go, oh wait, there's one more, and it just. It, it was rough, and I think it's just again like a very dramatic end to a very dramatic story. Mm-hmm. And it's like it fits the the overarching theme of the game, I think, with like shock and awe and spectacle. It was fucking annoying, though. Yeah. And then even after that, after you've beaten the game, you've seen credits, you're now going through the, the post-game stuff, you can even go fight the Elite Four again, and now they have super-powered Pokemon. I think they're up into their 70s at that point, level-wise. They they're very and then And uh, for some reason, the Elite Four... Just or the Pokemon League has said, eh, let's hit the reset button. I know our champion got roasted, but let's just reinstate our old champion instead of the person who beat who beat the champion or the person who beat the person who beat the champion. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, like, yeah, fuck it. Just put Alder back on on the champion status. Uh, so then you have to go fight Alder, which is weird because at this point you've talked to and met Alder multiple times. And you've never seen his Pokemon, and only once you have to get through the Elite Four again, which is going to take you a while because your Pokemon would be pretty underleveled the the first time you do it. The first time you beat the game, they wouldn't be able to take on the Elite Four again because those Pokemon are like twenty levels higher than them. Uh, like, only then do you actually get to see what Alder's up to and what he's got what he's got cooking. And the, I don't know something about that's kind of disappointing in that you don't. This is a person I've been interacting with for for a while, and I sure. never got the full picture until now. That's that was kind of weird, but it's it's again cool if if this is a game that you have access to and are going to play for months and months and not for a week and then cast it off for the next the next two games in the series. Right. All right, Bobby. I think it's time for us to talk about our teams. 
Yeah. What? Who did you roll with in Pokemon Black and White? Yeah. So in Black and White, uh, as I mentioned previously, I started off with T Pig and or Tay Pig, and I ended up with a uh, Embor. Um, I told you how much I like water types, so you know I had to get that Caracosta. Um, I also went with what I might think is the coolest looking out of the bunch, which is a Gigalith. And yeah. uh, he is Gigalith's just, awesome. Like, like he might be one of my favorite rock types ever. Like you know, for, for this game that is that is this reboot that's this new kind of thing, I think because part of it is because this game is a reboot and they forced you to play with a, a completely new set of 156 Pokemon. Some of them are really just retreads of old Pokemon. Yes. And Rogganrola, Boldor, and Gigalith are absolutely, like you said, Geodude, Graveler, and Gollum. Even uh, even to the point where you have to trade it to evolve to make it evolve. Just yeah. the same same way you would with Graveler and, and Gollum. Um I now I believe this guy is just rock though, right? He's, He's only not rock. a ground type. Yeah, yeah. Just rock. And that that's interesting. But he's so fucking cool, man. Like, just his coloring and his stature, like, he's great. I love him. His, his shiny coloring is even better. Like, all of those uh, all of those rock crystal things on him are, are electric blue. Yes. He looks real tronny. He's very good. Yeah, very he is. Good. He's... I thoroughly enjoyed him. Uh, then I had my grass type, which I went with Ferrothorn. And Ferrothorn's tough, man. Like, that guy's got some, some, some oomph behind him. Yeah, grass and steel. He's he's definitely a big defensive beast for sure. Um, and then I, another really cool one I thought was uh, Zebstrika, mm-hmm. and I thought that was an awesome Pokemon. And then uh, Sigilyph was my last guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, Sigilyph is is pretty neat. Um, so my my team actually overlaps a, a somewhat amount with yours. Uh, again, because I'm playing on the Pokemon, because I know the I have the Pokemon Bank stuff. I know I'm going to transfer these Pokemon back over, and I, I want to. Uh, I'm looking to make a level 100 Pokemon out of every family. Like mm-hmm. I don't need a level 100 Charmander and a level 100 Charizard. I'm fine with just the level 100 Charizard. So I'm just trying to get the final evolutions of everything, um, and just have a team, have like a full set of 100s. That is my forever goal that I will never attain because they they make. They make new Pokemon games faster than I can bring all the previous ones up to a level 100. So it's it's something I'll just kind of chip away at and never actually finish. And that's fine by me. Um, so I played with a team of guys that I never had level 100 versions of. And that led to, like yours, I had a Caracosta, the, the, um, the turtle, the water rock turtle that, was, that comes from a, uh, a fossil. Um, I also had Sigilyph, the, the flying psychic. Um, which I think we both really like Natu and Zatu from mm-hmm. from Gold and Silver. Sigilyph is very similar to yeah. those in a lot of ways, and, and it, they are both psychic flying. Sigilyph is no Zatu, but uh, Sigilyph is still pretty cool. He's like if Zatu and Unknown had a had a baby. Absolutely. I mean, the coloring pattern like it's, it's very it feels very much uh, Native American. Yeah, Native American, maybe even like a little Egyptian in there. Yeah. Uh, Natu and Zatu feel very Native American, especially to like to the point where they feel like Zatu feels like a totem pole yeah. uh, turned into a Pokemon, and and that's super cool. Um, yeah, so I had those two. Uh, then I had to get a little weird with some stuff. Uh, I went with Drud- Drudagon, 
which is the uh, the single form dragon. He doesn't have mm-hmm. a he doesn't have an evolution form. He's a cool dragon. He's one of the cooler ones. He, he's a neat dragon. He's a very weak dragon though. Yeah. He's he's he might be the weakest of the dragons. Uh, maybe all the way up until like Drampa in in uh in Pokemon Sun Sun and Moon. Uh, Drampa Drampa sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um but but Drodagon Drampa, like right? Hey. Exact I mean that's totally the joke. Like he's yeah. got a big beard. He is absolutely like that. Uh Drodagon is fine. I, he he was okay. He he learned some fighting type moves that were really helpful. Um I had a Scrafty and Scrafty's actually a really good pokemon that that dark and fighting so he gets around psychic pokemon pretty easily. Uh he is uh, I like Scrafty a lot. Scrafty's cool. Also, he has to keep pulling up his pants. Right. He's he's a Pokemon who wears pants, and they're constantly falling down. That's so dumb and great. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, I had a Semi-Seer, which is mm-hmm. the the uh, evolved form of Panseer, the that original Pokemon you get in the uh, in that first town. And I just kept my kept mine throughout the game. That was my Fire type that I that I used. And he's not very good, no. <laughs> to to no, to no, be no. honest. He they're they're all pretty weak, uh, but I had to have. Him, I needed that fire, and and that's what he brought. And yeah, he was he was pretty weak. Uh, and then I used one of the worst Pokemon designs they've made, and I had a Vanillux, uh, which is the double ice cream cone Ugh. ice Pokemon. Yeah, I Ugh. I don't I don't like Vanillux, but I thought if I'm gonna do this, uh, and I need a level 100 one eventually, I guess I might as well do this. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's just transition right into that because it sounds like we are we're feeling it here. Six six best new Pokemon from Black and White, and six worst new Pokemon from Black and White. Bobby, what do you feel here? Um, so most of them are on there from my team that I like. Yeah. So uh, the only one that I subbed out, so you can get rid of uh, Therathorn or Ferrothorn, and I put in a uh, Crocodile. Um, I just really liked Crocodile's the- rad. Crocodile's super rad. I love mm-hmm. Gigalith, though, and I already had that spot filled with him. Yep. Um, I did, just spoiler alert, move him in. Crocodile was who I went with in Black version 2. Cool. And then uh, Sigilith I took off, uh, and I put in uh, Hydrogen, because I just think that's such an, an awesome-looking... It might be one of the coolest like designs for a dragon. And, it's, and, a, it's a good dragon Pokemon, for sure. Yeah, so I, I have that on there. All right. Uh, yeah, so yours is Caracosta, Embor, Crocodile, Gigalith, Zebstrika, and Hydrogen? Yep. Cool. Uh, and mine, uh, <laughs> so I already looked at what your what your least favorite Pokemon were, and some of your least favorite are actually ones that I uh, am fans of. Uh, or or at least, like, fan, uh, some of them didn't make my top six, but I like a lot of the ones that you didn't like, so we'll get into that soon. But my favorite six... Um, I like Seismitoad a lot. I know you you don't like his previous evolution very much at all, and I and I get that, but I really like Seismitoad. He he kind of is the uh, poly polyrath yeah. equivalent in Fair. this game, um, but I just like his big bumps all yeah. over him. Uh, he's water ground, so he's also kind of like a, a Whooper Quagsire Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I really enjoy Seismitoad. Uh, I think he's. I just like his look a lot. He's pretty cool. Um, I got to be careful with the pronunciation of this one because it is such a bad name. But uh, Cofagrigus, <laughs> which is the which is the coffin Pokemon. Yeah, he is uh, like the the, the jazz Egypt- hands. Yeah, the Egyptian 
Uh, like Mickey Mouse it, running down a burning hallway. Yeah. Exactly. He is the King Tut mummy coffin with ghost hands coming out of it. And I really like it because he reminds me of, um, oh man, I'm going to forget his name, but it's a fighting game character in Darkstalkers that is also basically just like a mummified pharaoh that is coming out of his, his tomb, uh, his tomb coffin and just fighting you. And it's fantastic. That's uh, awesome. um, but yeah, I, I really like that ghost Pokemon. Uh, he is very fun. Uh, I also, I also love hate his, his ability, which, uh, mummifies Pokemon, mm-hmm. which, which means that just it, it totally nullifies the abilities of other Pokemon if it gets hit. So it really sucked uh, when I was fighting Elite Four, the the one who used ghosts, I had my Scrafty, who's got this really fantastic ability, Shed Skin, which means if it gets a status effect like Burn or Paralysis right. or Sleep or something, Shed Skin has a better chance of uh, shedding that status effect. So it lets, if Scrafty is poisoned, sometimes he just cures himself of that automatically. And it's really nice and helpful. Um but I was my Scrafty was faster, so I'd use a dark type move with Scrafty, not fully kill the ghost, even though it was super effective. Uh, he would turn my ability into Mummy, which does nothing for me, right. and then he would hit me with Will o' the Wisp on the very next move. So now I'm burned and I can't do anything about it. Yep. And and because Scrafty is uh, such a physical Pokemon and burning cuts your cuts your uh, attack power. He just he had me roughed up every single time, and there was nothing I could do because I didn't have any Pokemon that had a better type advantage. And man, it sucked. But Clefagurgus, uh, man, that's a that's a neat Pokemon. Um, I also like Reuniclus, uh, which I think is the first time I've ever said that name correctly. Um, <laughs> that's a mouthful. This is this is the Pokemon that's like in its own bubble, like that green yeah, little bubble psychic Pokemon. It's, it's really really cool looking. Yeah, I, I really like the the fully evolved one. With that the arms? Has, yeah, it's got these bubble, big bubble arm things, and it just looks really cool. I don't think he's actually that strong. I just like his look a lot. Yeah. Um, Galvantula, which is the, the electric bug mm-hmm. uh, spider, and I think I actually think his, his previous evolved form, Joltik, is super adorable. It and is. Galvantula is just a, a nice evolution to it, but Joltik is the real star, honestly. It, that's true. Um, I had uh, Chandelure, which is another really nice ghost, Ghost and Fire. Very cool. Um, I, I like that entire evolution line from Liquid, uh, Litwick to mm-hmm. Lampant to Chandelure. And I, I just like the going from a candle to a lamp to a big chandelier. That's a really nice Yeah, touch. it's, it's I, super fun. It it's neat. cool. It's really, really cool. Uh, and I like Golurk. I, I think they, they added some really nice go, uh, ghost Pokemon in here. Golurk is the... He's is the big, big golem, right? Yeah, he's like that big yeah. giant golem. He kind of like the Iron Giant, in a way. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. Yeah. He's he's very much like that. And he's fun. I just, there's some really good ghosts. He's ghost and ground. And, and yeah, again, those... <sighs> I had to fight him a lot in the Elite Four, and it really sucked, because he would just crush me most of the time. Yep. Sometimes I'd get lucky, and he'd use Curse on himself, and half his life, and then I could easily knock out the other half sure. before it really did anything bad. But uh, man, he's he was a big bruiser sometimes. Okay, Bobby, let's let's hear this totally incorrect list of what your six least favorite Pokemon in Black and White are. Um, 
So yeah, my least favorite here. Uh, don't be mad at me because I think I might offend you with some of these. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll fight. I'm not going to fight you on these, but I will. I will challenge you on on some of the ones that I disagree with. Go for it. So the first one is just an odd design. I think uh, is Heatmore. Yeah, uh, he's like a fire anteater thing. Yeah, yeah. He's got yeah. like weird knight armor type stuff. He's just weird looking. <laughs> um. So Conkledur is just dumb. He's so dumb. Every evolution of him, except for the very first one, I think. To- okay, what do you, what's what's your problem here? What's what's dumb about Conkledur? So um, I think other to- than his dumbass name, that's a really dumb. He, like, well, yeah. I mean, like they're they're kind of doing it for themselves with these stupid like dur or like oh dur dur or dur <laughs> like. So it's it's Timber, then it's Herder, and then it's Conkledur. Correct? Is yeah. that right? Girder. Girder. Yeah. Uh, so Girder is dumb because he carries a girder. What? I think Girder is great. He has a big girder. He's holding the girder. Yeah, he's dumb. Uh, but I mean, they're just like the fighting version of Farfetch. Farfetch has the leak in its in its uh, in its feathers, but like these guys just found a stick and then found a steel beam and said, well, you know what? So Fuck t- this. This Timber's would be, this would be way like better. That, like he might as well be smoking a cigarette in a leather jacket <laughs> and like just waiting for the. He's like waiting for the guy flicking his coin. You know. <laughs> Like badass. Yeah, he's a he's a jet or a shark. Yeah, absolutely. When you're and, a jet, you're a jet all the way. That's and then when Girder shows up, he's got these really questionable veins and like, <laughs> like just very strange looking. And then Girder or Conkledur, Gurgledur is just like <laughs> he's literally just like, oh, he's, he's look he's he's tired now. Like, I'm tired Gerder, of looking at him. Girder's this really strong dude. He's like, oh, look at me. You're wielding around this steel beam. And then Conkledur's like, I got to like rest my hands on these two pillars, man. You know I'm Conkledur tired. Was? I've been Conkledur working hard. was Mickey Rourke from The Wrestler. That's who Conkledur is. Man, I really want to watch The Wrestler again. That's a great movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. Not like that Pokemon. <laughs> Next one up is Clink. Like, you are wrong. Clink is great. Clink is so weird. You are incorrect. He, You know, his, he, his effectiveness is, is like... Literally, when you get your pant leg caught in a bicycle, that's what fighting Clink is. Oh no, my Jinkos got caught in my bicycle chain. I have to pull my bike over now. Yes, your poor Jinkos. My poor Jinkos. Um, um, so one of the one of the things about Pokemon, and we're gonna hear more about it with some of the the other ones that you have here, but Pokemon Black and and White, because they were set in the United States, I think that really changed the philosophy of the designers when they made new Pokemon. And Clink is part of that. In mm-hmm. America is a much more industrialized nation yep. than Japan. Uh, not, I mean, Japan does a lot of electronics, makes a lot of shit for sure. Um, but there is there is like a more of a manufacturing element to America. Yeah, and, totally. It, and I think Clink is part of that. Of this is this is a place with a ton of metal and. You know they they have to they have to block off a certain part of their city just to make it a park, uh, but like it's not the kind of natural beauty that is woven into sure. places in Japan. And I and I know like Tokyo is not necessarily like that. I, this is not a perfect argument, but I think there was something about we're going to try to make uh, inferences about America through the Pokemon. Um, and I know the last one. Let's skip to the last one on your list, and then come back to the other two because I think this one also maybe speaks a little bit more to America uh, as a whole. Uh, yeah, the last one on my list was Garborder, and 
I like Garb- Garbodor. I like Garbodor a lot. Oh, but his little straw he's a, hand. That, he's a he's a trash Pokemon. I'm trash. Yeah, I love I love Trubbish and Garbodor. I think they are great. Uh, I think they are fun uh, needles at America and the amount of trash that we have. But but also I've heard I've heard a lot of people, um, let's say bag on on Trubbish and Garbodor, and I'm out here saying, look at Gen One, look at Grimer, fuck you, Grimer but, is yeah, a puddle I, of toxic sludge, and you have a problem with this garbage Pokemon? Get I, the fuck I, out I of think here! It comes down to a design aesthetic, like there, like yes, a toxic puddle. There's something a little bit more aesthetically pleasing about that than a literal trash Pokemon. <laughs> like, I look at him and I just think about, like, oh, I can smell you just by looking at you. <laughs> like, oh, you're awful. I think that's great. I think it adds a lot of flavor and character to, to the Pokemon. Speaking if, of if flavor. You, if you think you can smell a Pokemon, then I think that Pokemon has uh, told its story quite well to you. You're probably right. Now, <laughs> we got to talk about this next one. Like, I don't know what possessed you to play with Vanillish. Yeah, like the whole, the whole that whole line, Vanillish to uh, Vanillux is... It's so dumb. They are, they are dumb, for sure. They are... It, it is not the first Pokemon to be based off of a food. I think it is the first Pokemon to be based off of a processed food like that. But, I mean, we had Execute in, in the first game. Like, we, we had dumb... Certainly, dumb Pokemon that were that was based on food, uh, but yeah. You know what would have been a cooler this version is, of this? What, what they did, sim- like similar to Gen Seven. What I would want to see is a fucking igloo with some eyes inside of it. Mm, yeah, and, like and you, you go the Palo Sand route, and you know something's inside there, but you never see it, and yeah. it's just now this frozen fucking igloo, high defense awesome stats for that like it would be much better than what this was yeah it, it is kind of lame i i think i if if i am back backseat uh designing or at least like trying to reverse engineer how they came up with some of these pokemon i would think maybe they're trying to n- make a nod to america being the birthplace of the ice cream cone even or though that is fat trash people maybe <laughs> maybe that we eat a lot of junk food for sure um but I mean, maybe, maybe I just think that because we live in St. Louis where the ice cream cone as a yeah. specific concept uh, showed up at the World's Fair here a long time ago, 19, 1904. I don't think either of us were there. Um, no. But it is something being in St. Louis you uh, you learn you, about. You, you have to know about. Uh, and it's a little bit more clear to us. But um, like may, maybe there's something about that. Like I'm, I'm glad they didn't make like a burger Pokemon. <laughs> or a hot dog Pokemon. Mm, I could go for a hot dog. That sounds all right. Like they could make, they, they could make a fire Pokemon that was a dog, and you know, do something about a, a hot dog. I'd be maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, you're right. Vanillish is a really, really ridiculous hey, Pokemon, and it's not very good. The and then I already one, mentioned Palpitoad. Palpitoad. Yeah, whatever. His little ugh, gross. Pop those zits. Ah, <laughs> oh, I don't think he's that bad. He's yeah. Who'd you have? Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's see here. What did I have? Where's my sheet? Here it is. Um, yeah, like right up there at the top is, is Vanillux. He's, he's not very good. And, and I was using him in my playthrough just cause I kind of felt like I should, 
uh, this was the time to do it. But yeah, he's just not good. Um, Stun Fisk. Here, so here's the idea. One of the things that bugs me the most is non-evolving Pokemon that suck. Like, yeah. if you are if you are in an evolutionary chain, you almost get a pass in a lot of these in a, in a lot of ways from me because you might evolve into something better, and that that can make up for it. But if you are a bad Pokemon that doesn't evolve, you are forever a bad Pokemon, and that just that just hurts me. And yep. you get a Pokemon like Stunfisk, which is ground and electric, which is actually kind of an interesting combination. That's not something you see a lot. And he just he just looks stupid. He's this flat fish looking thing that's like a bottom feeder thing. And he and who would ever use Stunfisk? It just it it baffles me. I don't ugh. He's and then bad. And then you have, I'm putting these guys together because they basically are the same thing, is uh, Throw and Sock. Yeah. Uh, the, the two fighting Pokemon in here that are... Bert and Ernie? I, yeah, a little bit. They are basically your uh, Hitmonlee and Hitmonchan mm-hmm. Pokemon in this. They're the equivalents, but they don't, they don't learn anything to make themselves interesting. Hitmonchan... No was a boxer he learned all, all the different punch moves and he could actually have a big array of of type advantages because he could learn ice punch thunder punch fire punch and like oh that's really cool hitmonlee was uh was a totally a fighting pokemon but he learned a lot of kick stuff and and hitmonlee was cool like just he had a really cool design throwing sock they've got these uh judo geese on which yeah. doesn't make any sense that why does is the is the gi They're fighters. Well, yeah, but is the gi part of their skin and fur or is did they just find a gi on the ground and they all have gis? They are gis. Who will know? Who will know? Um and then they just learn a bunch of like just regular fighting moves. They don't they don't learn anything cool or interesting and that's they're really la- I just think they're really really lame. They are lame. Uh, Basculin is is totally mm-hmm. in that sunfisk thing of it's just kind of a dumb looking fish. He's yep. he doesn't learn a lot of good moves. Mm-hmm. He doesn't evolve into anything. They they try to do something slightly interesting in that there's a uh, orange stripe and a blue stripe version of them. Right. And okay, but doesn't mean shit. I I don't want either of them. Uh, I think they did. They did this better in a different gen. I think it was Diamond and Pearl, actually, where it was the uh, is it Gastrodon? I think that is the, the like hard shell or soft shell or whatever. Right, and like one of them is purple, or one of them mm-hmm. is a pinkish color, one of them is a blue color, and at least they were decent Pokemon. Like they they were water ground, yeah. which is a pretty decent typing. But this one's just a regular water fish that. Looks like a really lame piranha. And they already had a good piranha Pokemon uh, that turned into uh, the shark Pokemon, uh, Caravana Car- well, yeah. to Sharpedo. Uh, to and this guy just seems like a cast-off that was lame. Um, my other two Pokemon are exactly the same as, as like that. One of them is uh, Emolga, which is their, hey, we need to make a Pikachu. Like, give, give me, give me a, this generation's Pikachu. And he just he sucks. He's he's like this little flying squirrel thing that's electric flying. Yeah. And, and he doesn't evolve. And he doesn't evolve. If he yeah. evolved into like a, a bigger Raichu like thing. Yeah, maybe. May maybe, but 
just he just looks like a little baby Pokemon and he stays like that forever and it just doesn't feel interesting. And right. and I have the same problem with a lot of Pokemon in new generations too, like the uh, Togetamaru, which mm-hmm. is basically just the the steel steel ground Pikachu. Yep. Whatever. Like he doesn't like big big fucking deal. Yep. Um, e- even even Mimikyu, which is I, I love the design that this is a Pokemon that's trying to take on Pikachu's appearance. Have it evolve into something. Have it evolve. Like, make it change. Like now it's decided to put on a Raichu costume or something. Like make it cool. Make it do yeah. something. Because when you just stick with the Pikachu thing, just it just it's just kind of lame and it doesn't work and it's not very strong and yeah. And then my last one is just super dumb all around and that's uh, Alamola or Alam. Alamamala. Who cares? Um, it's just that big. I think it's a big rock water Pokemon. That, yeah. Uh, that just it kind of looks like a sunfish, but like a really lame sunfish. Just, it's just, it's just lame. It'd be so much better. But all right, Bobby. I think that's all I got. Um, yeah. Do you give me, give me like your general overall thoughts on this generation because you've. You've now further gone on. You've finished Black and White 2, which maybe someday we'll, we'll do a podcast on, on those games as well. Uh, you've played through X and Y, yeah, and now you're, you're finishing up uh, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. Like you, you've played through all these generations of Pokemon now, and how do you feel about Black and White as you look back on that, on that got, time? You know, very simply put, man, I got a lot of fond memories with it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the new region. Uh, I enjoyed the introduction of more friendships. I liked the Pokemon. Gen 5 Pokemon, I think, are pretty cool. Um, I think the story is really good. Um, I enjoy the story quite a bit. And I I can't help but look at this game as a giant stepping stone for them. And I don't think that we would have some of the story beats and some of the uh, elements, design-wise and, and mechanics, that we see in modern Pokemon if it wasn't for this particular generation. Like, I think this was them really throwing some Hail Marys at the last bit there for the the DS, but also just trying some new things and just saying like, hey, we got new hardware coming out. We want to do something really special there. Let's see what we can do here as one last thing. And I I, I really think a lot of it. Yeah, I I agree with you up to a point. I I do think this is a, a relatively unsung hero of the Pokemon franchise that pushed a lot of things forward that it doesn't really get credit for and and that's kind of a shame because because the games are are good i i do like the games um there was i definitely had some frustration as i played back through this one though and and i think a lot of that deals with just how handholdy i think the story is i'm glad mm-hmm. that they incorporated more story uh, that they gave reasons for things to be there, and I think that's really cool stuff. I've, we've mentioned a couple times, I really like what they did with the gym leaders in this game. But there there certainly was something. It's just I got tired I've, of being told where to go and what to do, and I missed kind of just palling around and finding my own adventure. There is one time that I really felt that in this game, and that is when you first get the move Surf. And I went back to one of the first routes you can go in in the game and there's a little beach there and you can just go swim to the west and it's a place you never have to go to in the in the main story i think they make you go there to find one of the seven sages or something afterwards but 
I just swam around. I found a lot of new trainers. Uh, I found a guy who gave me an egg that I didn't remember what it was in that egg. It ended up being a, a Larvesta, the fire bug Pokemon. Um, but that's where you find Thunderbolt. So I, I found the, the Thunderbolt TM uh, relatively early, which was a godsend. Um, but that was the only time I really felt like, ooh, I am going on this adventure myself. Mm-hmm. And the game, I, I'm going off book. It, it felt like, I felt like Ratman from Portal, where like, oh, I found a way to get behind the the test the test chambers. Now I can kind of do what I want. This is this isn't what they planned for me to do. And and I f- find a, a real value in that in Pokemon. That is, I, I like kind of carving my own path and and making my own fun. I do appreciate that there's more of a story here, uh, but I just wish they weren't so uh, in your face about it. Sure. But I, but I do appreciate a lot of what they're doing. Uh, one of the things we mentioned earlier is is having that, having you locked into the original or into these new 156 Pokemon as you play. I thought was a really cool touch. It it really did get that sense of uh, newness and adventure, and anything could be around the bend that I just didn't feel from a lot of subsequent Pokemon games after after that first gen because. Hey, yeah, there's a new Pokemon, but then oh, also there's Caterpie, there's mm-hmm. Rattata, there's you know, there's the stuff that you remember from Gen One, uh, and some of that's good, but but some of it just it you lean a little too much on it. So I appreciate how they they held Pikachu away from you. You couldn't get a Pikachu until yeah. until forty yeah. hours into this game, and and that's a bold move for mm-hmm. for them, and I applaud them for that. And I, I'd like to see more of that in in their newer games. Um, so so there's definitely some cool stuff. Um, I, I don't think it's my favorite gen by a long shot. Uh, in fact, the the little bit of Pokemon Black and White two that I've played so far, I I think I'm enjoying that game even more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they do they do some cooler things where they they kind of uh, let you go off on your own a little bit. They let you explore. Uh, and and there is something cool about those sequel games where you can kind of see the same space from before and see how everything's changed. There is there's kind of a nice nostalgia factor. Um, but yeah, it, it's a good gen. They did some smart things, really really smart things with the TMs, of course, for sure. And they got even better about you know now they've basically eliminated eliminated HMs at this point in uh, in Sun and Moon, and that's a really great addition. Like Pokemon will keep changing keep evolving if you pardon the pun and and that's that's nice and i think this was an important building block to that future of of what we have for pokemon so in that way i applaud it sure but they are just kind of fine games to me that that had some some good pokemon some bad pokemon and and i think x and y and especially the mega evolutions that they brought in with those games is where is where i really started to go yeah, okay, now they're now they're really getting it. I, I did mourn the loss of of the old pixel graphics of the top down stuff because I really like that style. But yeah, X and Y is where I think it really started this kind of new era for Pokemon. For sure. Alright, Bobby. I think we will call it there. Uh, before we go, let's let us plug a few things. We did mention that you and I are on another podcast called The Casual Hour. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit more about that and how they can listen to it? Totally, man. We have a really great show that we put on a few, uh, few times a month. Uh, we talk a lot about the games that we've been playing, 
some news that we think is worthy of discussion that's happening in the gaming community. But mostly it's just a chance for us to catch up and really share some of the things that we are enjoying uh, most recently. We are on all social media. You can find us at The Casual Hour. We have a pretty okay website, which is thecasualhour.com. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. If you hear an episode you like, you can do that by going to uh, email us. We are the casual at gmail.com. Uh, that is a show that we do with our friend Johnny Amazich, who is kind of a trash human, but we keep him around anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I still need to do an episode of Gamers on the Go with him. We had uh, we had an idea for uh, for a game that we uh, really need to get around to playing and, and making that episode happen. So, someday. Totally. Uh, as for Gamers on the Go, uh, you can go to GamersOnTheGo.com, see more of our episodes. At GOTG Podcast is our Twitter account. Um, if you if you want to listen to a lot of older episodes, some of them are are a little bugged on the on the Gamers on the Go page. I need to go back in and add new links. Um, but I did upload all the old episodes I could find. I think there's one or two that are now lost to time. Uh, but all of those are on our. Uh, I forgot the site. The SoundCloud. There you go. Um, we There's a Gamers on the Go SoundCloud account, so you can search Gamers on the Go, find our channel there, and listen to all the old episodes to your heart's content. Um, yeah, so it's. I know it's been a while since I've recorded one of these things. I actually do have some other ones, uh, not necessarily scheduled, but in red, kind of ready to go, ready to happen. I just need to play some games, nice. do a little bit of research. Uh, confirm a recording date with the guests, but the games have been decided. The guests have been decided. So uh, hopefully, the ca- uh, hopefully gamers on the go will be back sooner than it has been with this last. Uh, I don't want to say hiatus because it's not that, but <laughs> some, sometimes it takes a while between episodes to sure. uh, to make these things happen, especially when I'm playing uh, big cool games this year, like uh, like. Well, maybe not like Destiny, but maybe like Dragon Quest. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So, uh, in the meantime, keep on checking around for Gamers on the Go, and we will have new episodes soon. Bobby, thank you for coming on. Dude, it was so and, much fun. Uh, Looked forward yeah. to this. It's a great time. Thank you so much for yeah. having me on. We'll we'll do another one soon. Uh, Pokemon yeah. Black and White Two, which you've already finished. Ready when you are. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll have to get back to uh, to playing some Pokemon games, but. We'll uh, we'll try to make that happen at some point. Thanks.